right, grab your Bibles, grab your Bibles, turn with me to James chapter number 4. James chapter number 4, remain standing. James chapter number 4, we are starting a new chapter, woo after four weeks, amen? Uh, it'll probably take us four weeks to get out of this one too, but anyway, that is fine. We got till Jesus comes, amen? Well, ladies and gentlemen, tonight is the last night in the tent. Last night in the tent. Uh, uh, that's cool. Amen. Next week, next week, next Wednesday night, we're going to have a kind of like a work day, work night. Uh, uh, I don't know all the details about that, so I'll wait and talk with the staff and everything and find out what we need to do or if we need some volunteers or help. But we're going to be in the process of moving and changing and getting stuff down. Uh, just as soon as the third service is over Sunday, uh, we're going to be moving chairs out of here, taking stuff down and trying to get ready uh, for the, the, the one service Sunday. How many are excited about the one service Sunday? Amen. Me too. Me too. So anyway, let's get started. Let's get started. Uh, how many of you, how many have ever been in an argument? Man, y'all some lying people in the house of the Lord tonight. Let's be honest. How many of y'all have ever been in an argument? How many of you felt like you was in a war and strife and fighting among you? All right. Now, that's what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about uh, squabbling. We're going to talk about fightings and war. Because a lot of times, a lot of times we think war and we think tanks and guns and missiles. And all. That's not always so. Sometimes there's warfare at work. Sometimes there's, there's war going on in the home. Sometimes there's war between husband and wife, and all the husbands and wives say amen. amen. That's right. Well, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the different types of wars that James is talking about. We're also going to talk about where they come from, because it's not going to be what you think. Ladies, I know you think it's because your husband's an idiot. And, and, and men, you think, well, anyway, uh, and I ain't saying it. Mine's here, amen. I'm... I'm not saying it. All right. We're going to find out what it really comes from. And sometimes, sometimes, isn't it, isn't it amazing how we have preconceived ideas about something when we start reading our Bible and God pinpoints and we're like, ooh, ooh. I have, I have, a, I have a feeling there's going to be some ooh and going on through this study because God will really open our eyes. It's amazing when we see, just like Isaiah you know, all through Isaiah in the beginning, he would say, woe unto them and woe unto y'all and woe this and woe. But when he saw the Lord and he quit comparing himself to others and he saw himself before the Lord, he said, woe is me. Woe is me. So that's what we need to do tonight. We need to say, Lord, how does this affect me? Where, where am I at in this deal? Okay, James chapter number four, James chapter number four and verse number one. If you found your spot, say amen. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lust that war in your members? Now the word lust there means desires. Doesn't necessarily, usually when you use the word lust, you think sexual or something of that nature. It just means desires. You know, you go lust after a Mustang, say amen. Or a bigger house or, or, or whatever of that nature. Uh, the desires that are in us, that are warring in our members. Ye lust or desire and ye have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not. Because ye... When ye do ask, ye receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lust. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is what? the enemy of God. Do you think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Say amen right there. Draw nigh to God. Don't just fight the devil. Don't just resist we need to, after we resist Satan, we need to draw nigh to God. Amen? And he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter 
Be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judges his brother speaketh evil of the law and judges the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art a doer of the law, or excuse me, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is, there is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judges another? Lord, thank you for your blessings. Thank you for a good crowd tonight, and thank you for a good spirit. Lord, I pray that you'll just take your word now and just start working on us and and, and start carving on us and, and adding to us and taking away the things that shouldn't be there and putting in the things that should. Open our minds and our hearts. Help us to understand your word in such a way that, that Lord, we can leave here changed. We can leave here different. Lord, we can leave here better soldiers of the cross than when we came. And God will praise you and thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. And all God's people said, you may be seated. <clears throat> the definition the definition of the word war, I looked it up in Webster's Dictionary. It says, a state or period of declared armed fighting between states or nations. Also, a state of hostility, conflict, or antagonism. A struggle, now see, this is where it comes more home. A struggle between opposing forces. Uh, anytime there's hostility, anytime there's opposing forces, anytime there's frustration in a struggle, uh, we can find ourselves right here in this chapter. War is a fact of life. In spite of all the treaties and the uh, world peace organizations and the threat of nuclear weapons, there's still war everywhere. I looked, at, I looked up how many present active conflicts are there right now in the, in the world. 65 nations all over this world are presently actively in conflict or in war. Not only are there war between nations, but there are wars of one kind or another on almost every level of life. Now, here in James chapter number 4, he discussed this important theme and why we have that, why we deal with that, why we experience this. And he explained that there's three wars going on in the world, three of them, three types, if you will. Not three, in other words, a war in Europe and a war. No, three different types that we're going to face, that we're going to deal with in our everyday life. And so that's what we're going to talk about all three. If we, we're not probably not going to get through all three of them, but we'll, we'll go as far as we can. So number one, number one, look what it says in verse number one. <clears throat> From whence come wars and fightings. What's the next two words? Say it again. Now remember, he's writing to believers. He's writing to believers. You would think, you would think when you're talking to believers that he's saying, he, he, you're not dealing with fighting and fussing and squabbling and quarreling and, and, and using, and it bad enough to be called a war. But he's speaking to believers. And he says, where are these coming from? Among you. So the first war that we see we're going to talk about is a war with each other. Write that down. A war with each other. When you examine some of the early churches, you discover that they had their share of disagreements. The members of the Corinthian church were competing with one another in the public meetings. They were trying to out-preach each other. They were trying to out-sing each other. They were trying to out-gift uh, 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 each other, if you will. They were not using their spiritual gifts as tools to build with, but toys to play with. I mean, he, probably one of the most scathing letters in the New Testament is the letter to the Corinthian church. He said they were childish and acting like a bunch of babies. Now, that's bad, amen? Uh, uh, not only were they, they, they competing in public meetings, they were suing each other at court. I mean, it, it had gotten so bad they were suing each other. Uh, uh, the Galatians were biting and devouring one another. Paul had to admonish the Ephesians to cultivate spiritual unity. Even his beloved church of Philippi had problems. Two women could not get along with each other. Yodius and Sintichi or having squabbling in fights. Uh, everywhere you see, and, and, and sometimes, sometimes we have this fantasy in our mind about what it was back then. Because when I was growing up, when I was growing up in Sunday school, you know, we had the little flannel graph pictures and we would learn uh, Bible stories and Bible characters. And we had, I, I did, maybe nobody else did, but I had this preconceived idea that all Bible characters were perfect. Had no idea that, that, that Moses had an anger problem. No idea. They didn't teach us about Noah getting drunk, say amen. 
and and we see all throughout all throughout the New Testament period they was there was problems, there was issues, and you're thinking, well, why in the world? What and you know why? Because they were churches that were made up of people. Bless God, I'm going to leave this church. It's got problems. This guy, I'm going to go to be a good one. Well, you're going to ruin it when you join. Because if it's perfect before you get there, you're going to ruin it. You know why? You're a people. And people have problems. People have issues. People have, have, we have, we have, we're just people. And, and sometimes I think we fail to understand that we are just people. I think sometimes we get oversensitive and we carry our feelings around on our shoulder and think just because... How many of y'all know the easiest place to get hurt is in the church? You know, in a bar, you can cuss each other out, fight tooth and nail, cut each other, and the next, next week you'll be buying each other a drink. But you have an issue in a church and you'll have a feud for 27 years. You know why? Because we don't we don't allow grace. And so he's dealing with he's dealing with issues. He's dealing with fightings. And this is not a new thing. Paul had to deal with it in several of the churches there in the New Testament. Now, we're going to kind of jump around in James because he, he describes all different kind of wars here. And let's look at the first one. Let's look at the first one. I want you to write this down. There were class wars. There were class wars. And in chapter two. In chapter 2, verse 1, he says, My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect to persons. For if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that wear the gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand thou there, or sit here under my footstool. Are ye not, or are ye not then partial in yourselves, and are become judges of evil thoughts? In other words, you're showing preferential treatment to the one that's got money. Now, he wouldn't have put that in here if they didn't have problems with that. Are y'all with me? How many of y'all have seen? How many of y'all have seen some warning labels? You thought that's the stupidest thing. Why would? That's because somebody done it. Y'all with me? So he's not going to put something in the Bible that they wasn't having issues with, they wasn't having problems with. So we know they, was, they, were, they, were, they were showing preferential treatment to rich people. Now, we, obviously, we all know how bad that is. That, is. that is foolish. That is not God-like. That is not Christ-like. There was nobody on this planet as poor as Jesus. When they said, I want to follow you, Jesus, you know what he said? Foxes have holes and the birds have nests, but the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head. He never owned anything. The tomb they buried him in, he borrowed. That right there, a priest. Amen. I, I want to get, amen. Got my suit on, I feel like preaching. Amen. Hey. A rivalry between the rich and the poor. The rich man gets the attention. The poor man gets ignored. The rich man is honored. The poor man is disgraced. It's a difficult thing. I was talking to a pastor today. I was talking to a pastor today that's, that's, that's new and, and, uh, and, 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 and trying to get things going and, and, and having issues and all. And, and, uh, and, and we were talking about some things he needed to do. And, and, and he's, he's, there's a struggle going on because the church is established. It's been established a while. And, and you've, got, you've got a certain amount of the church is older. Because they've been there a long time, and, 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 and they've kept the church going and, and, and kept the church alive, you know. And, and, and well, you've, you've, got, you've got a group of younger people that, that are uh, he's trying to reach and trying to get going. There's some things that he's wanting to do to appeal to the younger crowd. And, uh, and it's not even music. It's not the typical things that we fight over. Uh, but, but he's wanting to do some things there. And, and there's, there's kind of a, there's kind of a, a bucking going on and, and not one. And this is what I say. Well, I, I think you need to do so. Oh, if I do that, I'm going to make them mad. And they pay the bills. And, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. We've got, we've got in our country, in America, churches on the decline. They're either plateaued or on a decline. The biggest majority of them on a decline. You say, why is that? Because the fastest growing churches, the growing churches, are targeting 18 to 35-year-olds. Y'all with me? 
The fastest growing churches and the churches that are growing are targeting 18 to 35-year-olds. The problem with that is, is they broke. If you in here and you 18 to 35 and you got money, it's a miracle of Jesus. You better come to this altar and thank him tonight. I'll move that number on to 45, amen? Do you realize, do you realize that 80% of all of the offerings that come into the American church, 80% of all the offerings that come into the American church come from 50 years old and up? Okay, so here we have, here we have 80% of the offerings come in from 50 years old and up. The fastest growing churches or the churches that are actually growing are targeting 18 to 35-year-olds. Okay, if we, if we adjust to reach this crowd, this crowd gets mad. Well, this crowd pays the bills. So guess who's going to get pleased? And leaves this crowd out. Now, there shouldn't be a fight, period. I said, I said, Doc, your problem, your, your issue right now is not your, your different programs or the things you're wanting you to do. You need to focus time changing attitudes. That, hey, this is not about us. This is not about me getting my, my, my favorite parking spot. This is not about me getting my favorite chair in the building. This is not about me hearing my favorite song. I'm here for those who don't know Jesus. And, and so here we have, here we have problems between those who pay the bills and those who don't. You say, what does that have to do with here? Because sometimes in churches, people that have money get preferential treatment because they, they think that because of that, they can help out what's going on. Sometimes they are the one that gets voted in on the stuff. Sometimes, hey, sometimes I've seen this. I've seen people that were really, uh, that had a thriving, successful business uh, because of that, they were put on a certain committee because they said they had a good business. Well, they may be crooked in their dog's hind leg. You don't judge. You don't judge that. Are y'all with me? I mean, we don't need somebody that has poor financial habits and that type of thing and has no concept of that that type of issue. But you need somebody with some spiritual sense to them. Now, we have wars there. One cool thing about our church is that's really not an issue. That's not. And I think that's why the favor of God is on this place. Because there's no big shots around here. Zero. Now, there's some that wanted to be, but they don't last long. They don't last long. There's no, there's no big eyes and little U's. There's no, one of the coolest statements I've ever heard, ever heard from an evangelist that, that was here and, 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 and saw what's going on at Temple, they said, you know what? This is what separates Temple from a lot of places. They all want a small part of something big. And the problem in most churches is you've got a certain group of people that want a big part of something small. Now, those have come, but they don't stay. Amen? And he is saying here, you're having problems. You're having problems catering to people catering to the rich and ignoring the poor. Let me tell you something. Jesus is not about that. He's not about that. He went as far as to say, when you have a meal, don't invite somebody who can have you over for a meal. Have somebody over for a meal who can't do nothing for you. Y'all with me? Let's always think about the less fortunate. Let's always think about people, uh, uh, listen, that, that, that can't do for us. You know what? There was one thing that, that I learned when we, when we started really, really applying a lot of these principles that I never got it till I, it really dawned on me. How much do cities see a church come and be for them? Most cities, most communities see a church for what the church can get out of the community, not for what the church is for the community. And what the church can do for the community. Y'all with me right there? I, I, I heard a statement one time. If your church went under, would your city miss you? I thought, wow. That's pretty intense. Listen, 
only way we can make a difference is to do what Jesus said. To the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. You know what's cool here? You don't know who's who. You don't know if they're from the Waffle House or the White House. That is awesome. We treat everybody the same. Everybody the same. And that's the way it should be. Amen? Class wars. Then B. Then B, chapter 5, teaches us there's employment wars. There's employment wars. He says in chapter 5, Go to now, ye rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted, your garments are moth-eaten, your gold and silver is cankered, and the rust of them shall be a witness against you, and ye shall eat your flesh as it were fire. Ye have heaped treasure together for the last days. Behold the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud. In other words, you are cheating your, your employees. This, this that you're doing is crying out. The cries of them which have reaped and are entered into the ears of the Lord of the Sabbath. Ye have lived in pleasure on earth and been wanting, and ye have nourished your hearts as in the day of slaughter. Ye have condemned and killed the just, and he doth not resist you. Now, before we get to it, let's just raise up against the man, you know, the rich guy. He's not saying it's bad to be rich. He's saying it's bad to be rich if you oppress poor people to get rich. I'm for rich people. I like rich people. I like poor people. I like for people to be successful. I love to see somebody who's taken a business and worked hard at it and made something of their self and made something of their life and God really pour his favor and his blessings upon I love that. I love seeing successful people. I love seeing successful marriages and all that. So, so don't, don't, don't think that James is against rich people. God is not against rich people. He loved Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, David, at Samson, or excuse me, uh, Solomon. Are y'all with me? Some of the richest people in the world were some of God's closest friends. That's not what he's saying. He's saying people that use their wealth to oppress the poor, to steal from them and rob from them. Listen, there's, there's, there's employment wars. We have, we have, you know, going on in our, in our society today. But let me say this. Let me say this about this, and we'll move. I don't want to spend too much time on this, but uh, does everybody know what we're talking about right here? There needs to, in other words, we need to treat each other right. Employers need to treat their employees right. They need to treat them right and fairly. But let me say this. Employees need to do the same thing for their employers. Well, I tell you what, let's read. <clears throat> Here we find the rich man who has the power to control and hurt the poor man. Laborers do not get their wages or they do not get their fair wages. In spite of our modern labor movement and federal legislation, there are still uh, many people who cannot get a good job or whose income is less than adequate for the work they are doing. Now, let me say this. That's, some of that's true. Some of that's true. But then... There, there, we, whether you believe this or not, and I'm not going to argue with you, disagree with me, this is going to be one of them nights, you're just going to have to disagree with me and go home because I ain't going to argue about this part right here. But, but I do believe we're living in a day where people want to do less and less and they want to get paid more and more. When I was in, when I was in the 10th the, the grade, when I was in the 10th grade, we had a teacher... He was really cool, and, 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 and he, he told me he's kind of unorthodox, and, but I'll never forget something he said. he said. He said, guys, he said, I want you to understand something. The more you know, the more you're worth. Now think about that. The more you know, the more you're worth. What, what, what was he trying to tell us? We need to gain some skills. We need to gain some knowledge. Preacher, what are you saying? You need to become worth something to somebody. Don't be lazy. Don't, don't, don't not try to better yourself and then complain because you don't have money. Or complain that you're not getting paid enough. Mm-hmm. Make yourself valuable. Make yourself to the point somebody has to pay you what you think you're worth. 
I, this is this is a great this is a great this is a great discussion that y'all are getting real quiet on me on. Here's a, here's a way to look at it. Here's a way to look at it. This life that we live in is all about problem solving. It is. Everything about life is about problem solving. Whether you're, no matter what you do, no matter what profession you are, it's about problem solving. And do you realize you're worth the problem you can solve? For instance, for instance, give you an illustration. There are two people in New York. One makes $20 an hour. The other makes $200 an hour. One, one may be a sanitation engineer who solves a problem. He solves the problem of sanitation, removing sanitation out of the city and getting it. So he solves a problem of dealing with sanitation. He gets $20 an hour. But then you have a corporate lawyer who makes $200 an hour because he solves a different type problem. You will be worth the problem you can solve. And you will be worth to the people who you work for or who come to you for the problem that you can solve. Does this make sense? Preacher, what do I need to do then? Educate yourself. Learn something. Learn something that somebody else can't do. I, I really don't want to get into this type of conference, but I really think our young people need to get this because I think we're getting a society where we feel like we're owed something and an entitlement society that you think you should get a raise because you was only late twice in the week. Y'all with me? And, and listen, if we're not going to hear about it in the church, where else are we going to hear this? And I love you, and I care about you, and I do know this. You're valuable. You're valuable to what you know when it comes to this type thing. So let's, let's, let's become what we want to see. Let's become what we want to see. Now, now listen. <laughs> I don't know how deep I need to go in this. Uh, every, you get my point. Employment wars. See? Because of that, we may have this. Some church wars, amen? Church wars. Chapter 1. Chapter 1, verse 19. Chapter 1, verse 19 says, uh, Wherefore, my beloved, be swift, be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to what? Wrath. Go back to, uh, 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 go back to, let's see. Where's my verse at? There's one particular verse I'm looking for. He says, be not many masters. All right, let's read that, let's see. Which one did I just read? 19, 19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to what? Why? For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Now, why did we say he put this in here? Because somebody had issues with it. Somebody's getting angry. He's speaking to believers. Uh, chapter 3, chapter 3, verse 13. That's where it was. Chapter 3. This is the one I was looking for. It says, Who is a wise man among you and do with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. What, now, who, he, he is speaking to people who were wanting positions in the church. They were squabbling and they were fighting over positions in the church, uh, wanting to have, you know, to be teachers or leaders. And he said, be careful with that. Be careful about wanting to be a leader. Be careful about wanting to have these type uh, areas in the church because they will stand accountable for more responsibility. Are you with me? Say amen. The believers were at war with each other over these positions. When they studied the word, the result was not edification, but strife and arguments. Each person thought that his ideas were the only right ideas and his ways the only right ways. Uh, underline this part with me. Underline this part in your notes. Selfish ambition ruled their meetings, not spiritual submission. Underline that. Selfish ambition ruled their meetings, not spiritual submission. I, I looked up. I looked up some of these 
these statistics, and it's really sad. I mean, it's kind of funny, it's kind of humorous, but it's not because of the damage it's doing to the cause of Christ. Churches that unfortunately suffer internal conflict and an eventual split are not uncommon these days. Studies indicate that there are about 19,000 major scarring church conflicts in the U.S. every year. An average of 50 per day. 50 arguments. 50 fights, if you will, that, that causes a church split. According to the Church Conflict Forum, only about two, two church splits or conflicts that cause a church split were over doctrinal issues. Ninety-eight were over personal or interpersonal issues. In other words, two was because of a doctrinal disagreement, because they thought that one was not preaching the Bible correctly. And that, that, that would be a reason, that would be a reason to split from a church or to leave a church. Uh, because they were not teaching sound doctrine. If they were teaching something that was not in the Bible, that is a reason to leave a church. Y'all with me? Only two, only two, that was the reason. The other 98 was because they couldn't get along with each other. They couldn't get along with each other. What did, what did Jesus say? What did Jesus say about, about the, by this shall they know that you're my disciple? By your what? Love for each other. Yet we have 19,000 conflicts going on every year. 50 a day. 50 a day. Watch. The factors, the factors leading to all those splits can actually be humorous. It's not really humorous. I mean, it is when you read it, but some splits were over the color of the carpet. One church split over uh, uh, the piano bench. That one was resolved by going to two services where the piano bench was taken outside for one service and dragged back in for the church for the next service. Now, <laughs> I, believe, I believe in compromise. Are y'all with me? I do. I believe whatever we got. I, I remember my dad. My dad. The, the summer, we had one summer in Florida, which is hot all the time in Florida, but one particular summer, the air conditions went out. And, and so we couldn't afford the air conditioning. We didn't have enough money to put new air conditioning in, so they, they raised money and put ceiling fans in the church and uh, went down. And we had, you know, we didn't have several rows like this. We had two rows of chairs or two rows of pews in the church, and, 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 the, and the, 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 uh, the ceiling fans went down the middle of each of those rows. Well, we started having people arguing over it's too cold or it's too hot or it's too, you know. So dad, he come up with a solution. He turned all the fans off on the right and all the fans on on the left. If you hot, get over to the left. You cold, get over to the right. <laughs> but he meant it too. He put duct tape over the ones on the right. Don't turn this one on. I'm thinking they're brand new. Don't even use them. Maybe spun three times. Yeah, you know, we can. We and I and I, I. Hey, it worked. I mean, he he has a way of solving problems. Amen. And I'm all for that, but I'm not for the attitude that causes that. I'm not. I'm not for the issue of of having to start a whole other service because we're fighting over a piano bench. And that's what I shared with the pastor today on the phone. I said, Doc, your problem is not when you, what time you're going to have the service and whether it's putting people out too late. Your problem is their attitude. You're going to have to work on that first. Because if you can change people's attitude, you can change anything else you want. We spent months and even years here at Temple preaching about having the right attitude, preaching about having a submissive spirit and a submissive mind and having an attitude that it's not about us. It's an unselfish attitude. It's about the unchurched. That's why we park as far away as a building we can. That's why we sacrifice like we do. This didn't come by accident. This didn't just happen. We, did, we didn't just park in a hole with gravel uh, uh, five trillion miles away from the building in mud holes 
coming to church freezing cold and, and, and your eyelids freezing shut before you get in the building. That don't just happen. It took preaching. It took teaching. It took, it took understanding. It took God changing our heart and changing our mind and changing our attitude. So we had an unselfish, sacrificial spirit like Jesus. Quit trying to change the times. Quit trying to change. Pro- quit. Don't change anything till you change their heart. You see, the problem wasn't the, the bench. It was the heart. Amen? Listen. Uh-huh. One church split over the spelling of the word hallelujah. Another one split over whether a certain Hebrew letter was pronounced one way or the other. This same, this same gentleman I was talking to on the phone today, he said in, a, in the town right there where he grew up, he said a church split over the way they cut a pie. Say, so, oh, that couldn't be that. When you got a granny who made a pie, and you got another granny who cut her pie in a way she didn't want it cut. And this granny who made the pie has got 13 families. And this granny who cut the pie has 17 families. Don't tell me they can't cut over a pie. Y'all with me? But think about, see, we're, we're sitting here and we're, we're laughing and get, because it is funny. I mean, it's funny. But, but, but is it not splintering and, and littering the highway? with churches all over the country. And you, you usually, well, uh, no, no, no. It's just funny usually what they name that new church, but it's, it's in here. It's usually Unity Baptist Church, amen? Not here in Coleman, though, not here in Coleman. I... I, I heard, I heard, uh, I was in, I was in class one night. I was in class one night. And, uh, and they asked a question to uh, Dr. Brown. And they said, would you ever take a split? Would you ever take a church split? And he said, in all his years of ministry, he's never seen God bless a church split. He said, now, I'm not saying he wouldn't and that he couldn't and that he hasn't. He may have somewhere. He said, I've just never seen it. I don't think you can start something in a wrong way and it be right. Preacher, what are you saying? Let's stay right. Let's stay right in our spirit here at Temple. Uh, one of the greatest blessings... And I hate to even say it, and I hate to even bring it up, and Dorgan's going to run me off for even saying this, but we've never had that issue here. I'm serious. From, from the time I came, we have been together. And whatever we did, we come together, and, and we pray together, and we, we, we cast vision together, and, and we do that. There's nothing that will bring the hand of God and His favor on a church faster than being in unity. And let me tell you something. There is nothing in this world that will take it off than to start fighting and squabbling and fussing and having a selfish attitude and ambition. Amen? Church wars. D, personal wars. Personal wars. The saints begin to speak evil one of another, judging one, one of each other. The Bible says we're not to do that, obviously. We're to, we're to listen more than we are to speak. We're to, we're to speak in love and care. Now, it says don't judge one another. In, in the middle part of the paragraph in your notes, this is really important. James was not forbidding us to use discrimination or even to evaluate people. Underline that, please. Please get that. James was not forbidding us to use discrimination or even evaluate people preacher what are you saying you don't need to trust everybody 
He's not saying, he's not saying when you see somebody judging, when you see that they, they haven't paid their last three rents and they're asking you for a loan and you say, I don't think I need to do that. You're not judging them. You're using discretion. Y'all with me? You have, you have somebody, a business that, that, that the other people's had problems with and, 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 and you say, I'm never going back to that person. You know what? You're not judging them. You're using discretion. Y'all with me? That's not, he's not saying don't judge character. Jesus even said this. You will know a tree by what? The fruit they bear. Amen? So, let's go on with that. All right, what, what, are, what is causing this stuff? Why are we having personal wars and church wars and, and, and wars amongst each other? It's funny, as we, as we were studying this and reading this and putting this together, I found out that, that point one, point two, and point three, they're kind of progressive. Point two happens, or excuse me, point one happens because of point two. And then point two happens because of point three. We have wars among ourselves because of number two. We're not only at war with each other, it's because we're at war with ourselves. We're at war with ourselves. Look what it says in verse number one. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Watch what he says. Come they not hence even of your lust that war in your members? In other words, on the inside of you, the desires that you have, the, the fighting and the struggle that you have on the inside? You, you desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you have not because you ask not. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lust. Two things I want you to get here. A. Write this down. Don't you see the cause? Why are we at war in ourselves? Why, why is there an inward struggle all the time? What is the cause? The war in our heart is helping to cause the wars in the church. Uh, the essence of sin is selfishness. Now, I went ahead and underlined that in your, in your notes in case you didn't have a pen. But if you have a pen, why don't you put circles around that, put parentheses around that, and stars and, and blinking lights and stuff. Because this is the deal. This is why we fight. This is why husbands and wife can't get along. This is why we fight at work. This is why we fight in the marketplace. Do you realize selfishness is the greatest cause of divorce than anything? Before we get married, we're all about the other person. We put the ring on and a chemical imbalance takes place. Amen? Now it's all about us. Here's what, here's what I'm usually told in marriage counseling. He or she, they're not meeting my needs anymore. So it's about you now. When, do you know what the number one word in love is? The number one word in love that, that re- displays love and reflects love is the word give. For God so loved the world that he... And something happens. Something happens. I'll tell you what happens. Selfish ambition. The essence of sin is selfishness. Eve disobeyed God because she wanted to eat of the tree and become wise like God. Abraham lied about his wife because he selfishly wanted to save his own life. Achan caused defeat in Israel because he selfishly took some for, uh, forbidden loot from the ruins of Jericho. Often we veil our religious quarrels under the disguise of spirituality. We are like Miriam and Aaron who complain about Moses' wife, but we're really envious of Moses' authority. They were saying, we don't like this one, uh, 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 we don't like this one you married. See, that was a, a cover-up. What they didn't really like was him being able to tell them what to do. It's amazing. It's amazing. People will come... And, 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 and they'll say this and that about a church or what they like or don't like, but really they don't like authority. And because of authority, there's accountability. Amen. You're preaching. Preach it, preach it, preach it. Um, we imitate James and John who ask for special thrones in the kingdom when what we really want is recognition today. In both of these instances, the result of selfish desire, watch what happened chastening and division among God's people. Miriam's sin 
halted the progress of Israel for a whole week. A whole week. Listen, anytime we allow selfishness into a marriage, it's going to cause problems. Anytime we allow selfishness in a partnership, it's going to cause problems. Anytime we, wherever selfishness creeps in, it's going to cause issues and problems. What is the conclusion? Write that down. B, the conclusion. We saw the cause, selfishness. What's the cause? Selfishness. Say it with me. What's the cause? Say it again. What's the cause? What's the conclusion? What does selfishness do in our life? Look what it says in verse number, verse number, uh, verse number one. Whence come the wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lust? In other words, your selfishness? That war in your members? Watch what happens. Ye desire, ye want. Ye want and ye have not. What do you do about it? You kill. Great day. Ye desire to have and ye cannot obtain, so you fight over it. And you war. Yet you still have not, because you ask not. And then when you do ask, you receive not, because ye ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lust what happens when selfishness creeps into a relationship or a church or a business or whatever selfish desires are dangerous they lead to wrong actions not only wrong actions but they even lead to wrong praying look out when our praying is wrong our whole christian life is wrong you with me selfish living and selfish praying always leads to what? War. Why do you think? Why do you think we have the worship wars in, in churches in America today? It's really, it's really not over whether contemporary is right with God or whether uh, hymnal singing is the only thing that's right with God. It's not. And if people be really, really honest, if they be really, really honest... They'd have to admit that. Because there's, there's a lot of traditional churches that have traditional music. This, this seeing people saved. Hey, I like it. I grew up with it. I like, I like uh, when we had our, our, our uh, throwback Sunday, when we had some of them old songs, I was up there singing, I think I left my spleen somewhere right about here. Because I liked it. I like it when uh, uh, Trina cuts loose on I Know a Man Who Can. Y'all with me? I like all that stuff. I grew up with it. Cut my teeth on it. That's what I know. And I've seen tons of people say by it. But uh, I went, I remember, I remember the first concert I ever went to in my life. Very first concert. Never been to a concert before in my life. Never. Uh, it, when I was growing up at church, it was a singing liberal people went to concerts amen and so I, I honestly i'd never been to one before and i didn't want to go to this one it was chris tomlin all the teenagers put together their money and bought my ticket now i had to go i was mad not necessarily mad because i didn't like chris tomlin because i i thought he was okay i there was going to be a bunch of people there how many, what's that place called in Birmingham? Yeah. Have y'all seen that hallway around that place? Do you know what? There were so many people in there. It was a river of humanity. I mean, going around. I mean, you couldn't even get in. And you had to get from here to that side. And people just wait. I see. I, I finally got through all of them. And I got me a big bucket of popcorn. At least something I can enjoy in this mess. I get in there and there's people piling all around me and, 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 and I just happen to turn around and look up. And way up there, there was nobody sitting. Say amen. I grabbed my bucket of popcorn and I went up there where there was nobody. I said, this is perfect. And then all the teens saw where I went, so here they come. I'm thinking, they're going to follow you, man. They're going to follow you. Stay away from me. We're up, there in the, we're up there in the nosebleed section, and I got my popcorn sitting down. I said, at least I'll get some popcorn to enjoy. He comes out, starts singing. 
about the third stanza of the first song. My popcorn's in the floor. I'm standing tears dripping off my face. Oh, God is so good. Amen. How great is our God? I'm singing. I'm, oh, God. It's the greatest thing I've ever been to in my life. <laughs> Y'all think I'm exaggerating. I'm not exaggerating nothing. I hate it. I was mad at the teenagers for buying that stupid ticket. And he cuts loose, starts singing. It was incredible. Listen, I don't know a whole lot. I don't know a whole lot. But I do know enough to know when God's in something and when he ain't. So, he was in it. So, the, the real fight, the real worship war is not whether God is in or touch or whether the anointing's on this kind or that kind. The fight is in what do I want. See, this is what this is what everybody can't get. And I'm talking about my movement. I'm not going to put nobody else in this. Some of y'all, this is all you know, and thank God. But I come from a selfish group of people who say there's just one way and there's only one book, and, you know, it's like, like the red-back hymnal came out of Jerusalem or something. I'm sorry. I'm just a little bitterness I'm trying to get over. <laughs> oh, boy, I'm thinning the herd, I'm telling you tonight. I've got employers mad at me, employees mad at me. It's not, it's not that. And, then, and then, we got, then we got the younger crowd saying, you know, God can't use the other. No, let's just be honest. Let's quit trying to be spiritual about stuff and act like, let's just be honest, this is what we prefer. It's not whether God's on it or not. I'm just being selfish. So that crowd's being selfish. This crowd's being selfish. Now, what do we got because that crowd's selfish, this crowd's selfish? What do we got? A war. Is this not what we're reading? This is what we're studying. And, 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 and God's up in heaven like, really? I died and I, 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 I was beaten and betrayed and butchered and... And they plucked my beard out so I could put up with this? Preacher, what are you saying? Let's be careful. Let's be careful because, because selfishness produces wrong actions. It says you kill. That's pretty drastic. And, I, and I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure we've probably not shot anybody over a contemporary song. But do you know what the Bible says about our anger and murder? Have y'all studied that lately? You remember that? Remember Jesus talking about how, how we get angry at somebody? And it, I, I'm, I'm fairly sure there's been a lot of people get real angry over a preference. Oh, I'd never kill. You might have thought it, though. You might have got so mad at that person you wish it was in another community. You with me? Selfishness will create problems. It'll cause us to do it'll cause us to do stuff we shouldn't do. It'll cause us to pray for wrong things. Pray for our our preferences. It'll pray for a selfish prayer. If there is now watch this. When our praying is wrong, our whole Christian life is wrong. Selfish living and selfish praying always leads to what? War. If there is war on the inside, there will ultimately be war on the... So what, you know what that tells us? That most of these church splits, when they get in these fights like this, it's really not an external thing, it's an internal thing. Amen? Watch this, watch this. This is so good. This is so good. This will be worth you coming tonight right here. People who are at war with themselves because of selfish desires are always what? 
unhappy people. They never enjoy life. Instead of being thankful for the blessings they do have, they complain about the blessings they do not have. They cannot get along with other people because they are always envying others for what they have and do. They are all, this is so, boy, I underline this, and you ought to put flashing lights around this one too. They are always looking for that magic something that will change their lives when the real problem is within their own hearts. Let me put it this way. They are always looking for that magic church. They leave this one and then this one and then this one and then this one. Hey, they are always looking for that magic relationships, that magic man or that magic woman or that magic job. Been to 27 jobs in the last month. Maybe we need to start looking on the inside. Amen? Two minutes. Let's hurry. Uh, hmm. Sometimes, sometimes we use prayer as a cloak to hide our true desire. We're just going to use this and we're going to stop. So, but d- do this. Follow, follow along with me because we're going to focus right here on this chapter, this, this, this paragraph. Sometimes we use prayer as a cloak to hide our true desires. You say, but I prayed about it. I prayed about it. This can be one of the biggest excuses a Christian can use. But this is what happens, really, to be honest. Instead of seeking God's will, we tell God what he's supposed to do. And then we get mad when he don't do what we say. We don't, we don't do like Jesus or Paul. Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. He goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's in great stress and great pressures upon his life. And he is praying and praying and praying. And he said, Father, I know that all things are possible with thee. I know you can do anything. He said, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. He's asking for his desire. But then what does he say? But. But. We do the first part. But we forget the second part. But Lord, your will be done. We, we come to God and say, do it! Kill him! <laughs> no, maybe quite not like that, but maybe so. What? Fix him! Fix her! Change that shit! Straighten them crazy people out! Or... Maybe like this. Maybe this is more like it. Make them do what I want to do. Amen? I got 47 seconds for you to say amen. And then God doesn't do what we think he ought to do. So now we got mad at him. And that leads us to point number three. You know, sometimes what happens in a church... It's not the cause of somebody beside you. They just get the blame for what you're mad at God about. How many times do people get angry at God for a prayer they think should have happened in a different way, and so they take it out on everybody around them? Well, that's what we're going to talk about next week. Actually, we're not. That's what we're going to talk about in the new building, amen? In the new building. Not, not this coming Wednesday, but next Wednesday. Uh, is Dustin in the house anywhere? He ain't in the house? Is he out smoking a cigarette? What's he doing? He's in two cigarettes, okay. Uh, uh, yeah, I see you come in now. Uh-huh. Did you wave the smoke off of you when you... Hey, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh... You know, it's a good thing he's got a good sense of humor, amen? He'd leave us in a minute. Hey, next Wednesday, is, I know it's going to be a work day and we're trying to get everything done. Is that like a, a work day where people can, can needs to come and help? Or, or Okay, what he just said, if you didn't hear him, 
He said, just keep checking Facebook because we don't know what phase that people are going to be done with stuff. So we'll know more later on. And also, if you're not on Facebook, just call up to the church office. Because everybody don't have Facebook. If you're not on Facebook, just call the church office and we'll let you know what we could use help with or what we need, you know. There's going to be times when we need to help set out the chairs or different things. And, and then, you know, we don't want to get 50 people here to do a five-person deal. So we'll, we'll, we'll try our best to make sure and, and, and do that. Does that make sense, everybody? I want you to turn around. Wait, let me pray. Lord, thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to come learn and pray. And God, I pray that you'll bless us now. Use us in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn around.